Now, speaking of Luis Guillerme, he got hurt in that inning, and it looked like he pulled a hamstring. It looked like it could be a quad, a hamstring, a groin. I didn't hear anything after the game about what they think it is. He hasn't been placed on the injured list, so I assume Monday he'll test it out. Maybe he'll go for some imaging. I was looking for it, but I'm also on vacation, so I was looking for it, but not that hard. I was trying to see if there was an update on Luis Guillerme. I didn't see an update on Luis Guillerme. The only thing I saw, which I think is fascinating, was Mike Puma, the post, said the Mets would consider calling up Brett Beatty to replace Luis Guillerme, not as much Mark Vientos. Now, it makes complete sense because Luis Guillerme, who they would sorely miss, he's excellent defensively. Offensively, he'll give you a good quality at-bat, but really they'll miss his glove. Luis Guillerme has become the everyday third baseman against right-handed pitching. And obviously there's the issue with Escobar. He may only be able to hit left-handed for a few days, but it looks like Eduardo's going to be okay. And he is on the right-handed side of the platoon where he'll face lefties because he's a better right-handed hitter. So if that remains intact, you're going to want to call somebody up who plays every day. Think about it. You're not all of a sudden just going to say, all right, Eduardo Escobar is playing every single day. We're going back to it. Guy's hitting 220. Guy's in hitting right-handed pitching. So now the Mets say, all right, we're going to have to call somebody up who hits right-handed pitching. Brett Beatty, when he was in double-A, crushed right-handed pitching. He's a lefty. He's not going to face a lot of lefties. I think we all understand that. His OPS against righties was over 1,000. Mark Vientos, the opposite. The, the absolute splits you'd expect from a right-hand hitter. Crushes lefties, doesn't hit righties. So based on the Met need right now, it would be Beatty getting the call over Vientos. And how exciting would that be? Because as great of a year as the Mets have had, the one thing they haven't done, and the Atlanta Braves have, whether it was Michael Harris, whether it's the call-up they just made for, um, oh, my God. I picked the guy up in the Fantasy League. What the hell's his name? Uh, uh, Vaughn. Vaughn. Grissom. Grissom. Vaughn Grissom. There we go. Vaughn Grissom. Yes. They called up Vaughn Grissom from AA. He's young. He's a shortstop. They can play him at second base. <laughs> and he's off to a great start. He's contributing. They called up Michael Harris. He's been contributing. The Mets also have young guys they could call up. I remember when we were talking about Francisco Alvarez last month, I used the Michael Harris as a comparison that the Braves weren't afraid to call him up. So Beatty's the guy because that would be kind of the answer, not that you're trying to compete in call-ups with Atlanta, but if Guillerme is out and you have these options, call up uh, Kosuke, uh, whatever that guy's name is, who came over, the, the, the super utility guy, Kosuke. You're going to call up Kosuke to come off the bench with Escobar playing every day? Or are you going to call up Brett Beatty? The answer is very simple. You're going to call up Brett Beatty. So even though it's not the kid we had talked about, it's not Alvarez, it's not even Vientos, it's the kid that makes the most sense. It would be the kid who fits. And I would not be afraid of his lack of experience. He was just called up to AAA last week. Who cares? Michael Conforto was called up from AA. Michael Harris was called up from AA. Grissom was called up from AA. Why do you think that? Because the, that, that, there are, now I don't want to call them shills, but I just did. There are a lot of people that are pro what the Mets are doing, the slow playing of the prospects, saying you can't just call up some from, someone from double A, and it bothers the crap out of you. Why is that even such a thing if there is proof that it works? 
because I don't think it's a real thing. I, I think the Mets, if, if we look at the Mets and say, why have they not called up Francisco Alvarez? I think it's what I've thought all along, which is they don't trust a 20-year-old to catch this staff. They, they don't want a 20-year-old catching this staff. And then the other hole was DH with Vientos and Alvarez as well, and they fixed it. They traded for Darren Ruff. They traded for Daniel Vogelbach. Like, right now, there isn't an obvious need to call those guys up. If Guillerme is seriously hurt and goes on the injured list, there's a need. There's no BSing. There's an absolute need for the everyday third or the most days third baseman. Because look at this Atlanta series coming up. You're not facing lefties. You may face Max Fried on Thursday. We don't know. He's still dealing with the concussion. You're going to face on Monday, <coughs> excuse me, Spencer Strider, who's murder against righties. You're going to face Charlie Morton. You're going to face Jake Odorizzi. You don't want Eduardo Escobar, who's been a crappy left-handed hitter, facing those guys. No. You want someone else. So I, it's not defending what the Mets have done, because I think I would have called up Alvarez to DH a month ago. We were in agreement on that. But I think there hasn't been an absolute obvious need. There will be if Guillermo is hurt. I hope he isn't. Like As much as I'd love to see Brett Beatty up here, I don't want Luis Guillermo hurt. I think he's so important to this team. You see what the pitchers say about him. I mean, every pitcher, whether it's Chris Bass and Max Schreck, they love this guy because he's so good defensively. He is marvelous with that glove. So even though they may gain a little bit offensively with Beatty, and who knows, Beatty could come up here and take off. And basically never give the job back. Think about that. Beatty comes up here and starts getting the cover off the ball. Guillermo just becomes the leading defensive replacement. That's what we've been. I mean, that's that's what he'd become. We've been begging for that, though. We've been begging for that that like spark plug type of thing, you know? Yeah, no, look, and the Mets haven't needed it necessarily. I know they didn't score a lot of runs on Friday, a lot of runs on Saturday. Really didn't break through until that fourth inning. They didn't have a, a huge offensive series against Philadelphia. But their offense hasn't been a problem. Look what they did in the series against Cincinnati, the series against Atlanta. So I don't think they necessarily need the spark plug, but hey, it can't hurt. Beatty comes up here and hits, it certainly can't hurt. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, But Beatty clearly makes a lot more sense than Mark Vientos. As far as the series coming up against Atlanta, it's similar to last week in terms of the ball is in our court right now. Really, the Mets have to avoid a disaster. They're six games up in the National League East. It's five and a half, but it's six in the loss column. Give Atlanta credit. Since the Mets humbled them by taking four to five, the Braves went out and won every game. Didn't lose. They swept the Miami Marlins. Excuse me. They swept the Boston Red Sox. So they went five and oh since the Mets took four out of five. The Mets went five and one. So they lost a half game in the standings from six to five and a half. If they can split this four-game series, it's a win. You have now eliminated four games from this schedule. You're six games up. You got to feel really good about it. If you lose three out of four, you're still four games up. We're not going to feel really good about ourselves, especially since Scherzer and DeGrom are pitching in this series. But four games up is a good spot to be in. If disaster looms and they lose all four, the league goes down to two. So, still have a lead, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of panic if we lose all four games to Atlanta. And obviously, anything on the other end, I think, wins this division. If they win three out of four and up this lead to eight in the loss column, you got to feel amazing 
that this divisional race will be over. And then obviously if they swept them, it would be over. And you look at these pitching matchups, I would say Carrasco Strider, I know the Mets have done well against Spencer Strider, and Spencer opened up his mouth last week. Obviously, I think the Braves will have a slight edge in that game, but we know how good Cookie can be when he's on. Taiwan Walker, Charlie Morton. You know, Walker's been good in the second half, or at least bounced back from the disastrous performance against Atlanta. You have to hope Ty bounces back, and then you feel amazing about the last two games of this series. That's why you look for a split in game one and two, because then you've got Max Scherzer, Jake Odorizzi, and then you've got Jacob DeGrom against maybe Max Freed. So, I feel good. It's tough not to feel good. This team is a game behind the 86 Mets pace. I always love keeping an eye on that. 75-40. and 40. That team was 76-39. and 39. But here we go. Four more games with Atlanta. A chance to effing crush their soul. Especially after Spencer Strider was bitching like the Philly announcers. Oh, they're lucky. Oh, they're lucky. I hope they take him deep four times <laughs> tomorrow night, Monday night. And we'll talk about who's freaking lucky. But fun series coming up against Atlanta. You feeling good? You feeling confident going into that one? Uh, at this point, I feel great going into every series. I really do. I mean, again, you're, p- pitching-wise, the fact that when you have Max and Jacob going in this series, you have to feel good at least about two starts. Uh, Tyler Walker's, you know, even his last start wasn't the best. I know he recovered enough, but it's it's still worrisome. I need to see him give me good six Good solid innings, maybe two runs, not a lot of not a lot of uh, base runners, and then I'll be fine. You know what's funny about Taiwan Walker now? Because Jacob Degrom is back, because Max Scherzer is healthy, because Chris Bassett is a probably in a good rotation is a number two starter. In this rotation, is a number three starter. All the Mets need Taiwan Walker to be is what you described. Go pitch six innings, allow two, three runs. That, that's, that's all we're it. looking for. Taiwan Walker is a back-of-the-rotation arm right now. So the Mets don't need Taiwan Walker to be as good as what he was in the first half last year and the first half this year. Mm. All they need him to be is solid. That's all you're asking for. And then you hope those are the days where the Mets can actually score some runs. So I think for guys like Walker, Bassett, Carrasco, who did such a great job of carrying the torch while DeGrom was out, while Scherzer missed a lot of time. All you're asking for is solidness. And by the way, great job by Buck and Billy Epler setting Scherzer and DeGrom up the way they have. They had Scherzer and DeGrom against Atlanta. They had Scherzer and DeGrom against Philadelphia. They've got Scherzer and DeGrom against Atlanta again. And then, not that it matters, Pete, because does it really matter? Right now, unless things change, they got Scherzer and DeGrom set up for that two-game series against the New York Yankees where they're not playing very good baseball. We'll see where they are when the Mets play them in a week. But they've got DeGrom and Scherzer lined up beautifully. And all we can ask for as Mets fans is to light the candles and pray to the baseball gods that these two human beings can be healthy come October. That's that's it. I mean, I, that's my biggest fear. My big, I have two fears. All right, and I don't want to name any names because that would be like leveling accusations. One of my fears is what happened to Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm. I'm not kidding you. Fernando Tatis Jr. got busted for PEDs, and he's out 80 games. I'm scared of that tweet that comes out from Jeff Passan about so-and-so 
has been suspended for 80 games. Like, that scares me. Not naming names. And then the other scare is injuries. And the Mets have been dealing with minor injuries or what appears to be minor injuries over the last few days in this Philly series. Escobar, Luis Guillerme, Jeff McNeil. They have been relatively healthy. And especially in that rotation more than anything else, they've got to keep those two golden arms healthy going into October. But another great series victory. Great crowds over the weekend. I had a lot of fun watching by the pool, I got to tell you. It's a good good way to watch baseball games. Uh, I just really want to, if you have a second, can you take me into your thoughts on the, on the um, I was going to say Juan Soto, not too soon, but the Tatis suspension? He's, <laughs> he's immature, man. I mean, I think Ron Darling said that on one of the broadcasts, and it's true. I mean, think about why he was missing all this time to injury. He's missing all this time to injury because he got into a motorcycle accident. Um, I think a lot of guys use PEDs. And sometimes we think to ourselves, well, they haven't been busted, so maybe they've eliminated steroids from baseball. I don't think that's the case. I think there are a lot of guys who are able to get away with it. I think Fernando Tatis maybe showed his stupidity or immaturity in not getting away with it. Um, I don't think about PEDs all the time. It's not like I watch guys put up big numbers and say, oh, he must be on steroids. I never wanted to ever think that way. But I do think a suspension like that is a reminder that there are guys using PEDs. And whether it's the arrogance of I won't be caught or I'm smart enough to not be caught. And look, there are going to be a lot of guys who never get caught. And we're going to never know they did PEDs. But I don't think that we live in this clean era where no one's doing it. So whenever a star gets busted. The way Ryan Braun did a few years ago, it's just, or Robbie Cano multiple times, it's just a reminder that guys are doing it. And that's why I tell you that fear that I have as a Met fan where, as a fan of a team, you just don't want that guy to be somebody. I'm not even talking about somebody oh, I want to tell my kids about or somebody I have a jersey of. It's not, it's not even that. It's more losing a guy for a significant period of time. The Mets have a guy on their team, and he's a hell of a player. I'm not making any accusation against him. Who has been busted for steroids? Who has? Which means if he got busted again, I think that suspension's a full season, 162 games. Mm -hmm. And that guy's Starling Marte. I mean, it happened. I think people forget about it. But it, it does still happen in Major League Baseball despite us maybe forgetting that it does. And I think Tatis getting busted, besides you know making fun of him or talking about him or the Padres, to me it's a reminder that it's still going on, and you just hope it doesn't happen to your guy at the wrong possible time. Uh, a few quick hits. A, do you think that A.J. Preller had this not this knowledge that Tatis was going to be suspended, hence why aggressive on Soto? No, I think he knows Fernando Tatis and said, I need to be aggressive on Juan Soto. Fernando Tatis is an incredible talent, but they have to be worried. Is a guy who, when was asked if he got injured in a motorcycle accident, responded by saying, which one? Yeah. <laughs> which one? Yeah. It's not the best way to go oh, about that. <laughs> I don't know if you knew about the steroid stuff, but I think they know that Fernando Tatis Jr. is not reliable. Do you think this can affect Aaron Judge's contract in any way possible? Because Tatis Jr., nah, all that money, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, Aaron Judge, no. I don't, you know, 
I don't know if there are rumors about players amongst front office executives. Like, I think that's been a speculation about Cano on why the Yankees let him go after the fact that he got busted for steroids that, oh, the Yankees must have known. I don't know if they ever knew. I, it may have just been that the Yankees didn't want to pay Robinson Cano what the Mariners paid him. Aaron Judge is going to get a massive contract. I still think the Yankees are going to re-sign him. But, no, I, I, I think the one difference between this era and the past era now is that we don't sit around as much speculating about guys doing steroids. I think when a guy gets busted, it's a reminder that guys still do steroids. But, like, Aaron Judge is having a massive year. It doesn't go through my brain that he's doing steroids. Like, he's having a massive season. It happens. Giancarlo Stanton in 2017 and 59 home runs, he's a big, strong guy. Like, I don't think anyone thought, oh, he must be he must be juicing. So, it's different, man. It's different in 2022 than it was 20 years ago. And, and lastly, um, I mean, we talk about every game, every inning, pitchers are going to check it for sticky stuff. St- you know, sp- spar attack and all that other stuff. Like, it's at that point where it's like, can we just get past this now? Like, can we just end this nonsense? Because if pe- we clearly know that people are still using PEDs on a regular basis. Are they peeing in the cup every game? Are they? Are we doing... Like, that's, that's my issue with even checking DeGrom and checking Scherzer. Like, these guys are dominant. They're amazing. Unless they're trying to find a way to cheat the system. Like, at some point in time, like, if you're not going to make it fair on both ends, just, just let, it, let, let the sticky stuff go. Like, just let's stop checking Why? every game. Just, you're checking, though. I mean... Everybody. So are you checking every day, though, on, on players to make sure that they're not using PEDs on a, on a regular basis? I don't think you can. I, look, you can't make guys pee in a cup every single day. You can. I think you can do it a certain <laughs> amount of time, and you're, you're trying your best to be vigilant about a steroid issue and make sure that it's not easy for guys to do it. With the sticky stuff, and I've just grown accustomed to it, every guy walks off the mound and they get checked. Reliever comes in, gets bombed. He's still getting checked. So it's not as if you're only checking the guys who dominate. Like, Joely Rodriguez, who sucked in the finale of the series, to the point where Buck had Adam Adovino. When Joely's coming out of the game, he's getting checked. And Joely should say to the umpire, if I did it, boy, if this crap doesn't work, should be his response. I've I, gotten used to the fact they check everybody, and it's fine. It is what it is. You know? I know that they should probably create a universal sticky stuff or something already on the baseball, and I'm sure they'll figure that out. But I don't care that they're checking all that crap. They should check all that crap. You don't want anybody to get a a cheap advantage. It gives you an appreciation for the brilliance of Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer that clearly that's crap never affected them because DeGrom's better than ever. And Scherzer hasn't missed a beat, and he's 38 years old. So, All right. hasn't even been a problem. F- final question, and you can even answer this at a later point in time just to ponder. Who has a bigger AAV signed after the in the offseason, Aaron Judge or Jacob DeGrom? Jacob DeGrom. Mm. No question about it. Jacob DeGrom is going to get $50 million a year, and it better be from the mix, by the way. I don't want to hear, oh, he's not worth it. He's unreliable. Give me a break. Judge will get the bigger bigger package, obviously, and he'll get more years. But I think DeGrom, man, I'll tell you, if DeGrom finishes this season the way he basically repeating what he did in 2021 or even somewhat close, you got to pay him. If you're the Mets, you have to pay him. 
And I think there'll be plenty of other teams, not all, because there are small market teams, plenty of teams who are going to say, damn, I got to pay that guy. That guy's magic on the mound. That guy is like something we've never seen before. And despite any injury risk that comes with it, you've got to pay the man. Uh, uh, Anyhow. Are you th- are you are you sniffing the fact that he could possibly make three hundred million dollars over six years? Is that possible? Uh, I don't I don't know if he'll be able to get six years. Like I think teams will pay him, but I'm not sure they're going to pay him the years because of the injury risks. That would be my guess. But listen, this free agency is going to be crazy with Edwin Diaz and Brandon Nimmo and Jacob Degrom from this team, and then not just Aaron Judge from the Yankees. Justin Verlander is going to opt out from his contract <laughs> in Houston, and Verlander is having maybe the best season of his career. So if you talk about what Jake would get, what would Verlander get? 40 years old, one and a half years removed from Tommy John surgery. Uh, we'll have another Rico after the series concludes against Atlanta Thursday night with the same exact setup, with a beach right behind me. So hopefully you enjoyed hearing the beautiful waves crashing down to the ground as the New York Mets went two out of three against the Philadelphia Phillies. You can download Rico Bronia. And no, you'll get Met Talk every couple of days. I'm off this week. I have no idea who's with Craig on WFN. You should probably listen, though, 2 o'clock. I'm sure it'll be good. But I'm not going to listen because I'm on freaking vacation. But never, never vacation from the New York Mets. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia Podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.